Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the MLB playoffs roll on, down to only eight drivers competing for the NASCAR Cup Championship, a tribute to a Chicago Bears legend. The Indianapolis Colts' Jonathan Taylor standoff comes to a close. Five weeks down, who is soaring and who is not after the first quarter of the NFL season? Two top 10 teams go down, recapping week six biggest games. A top 10 matchup in the Pac-12, predicting who will win week seven's major games in the college football realm. And with that, I give you our Chief Firefighter Brigade, Rob Cal. Thanks, Colton. Yeah, we got a lot to get to tonight, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs going on. Actually, we got uh, Houston and Minnesota playing right now um, while we're sitting here in the studio. But, uh, you know, Houston's got a commanding league at 7-1. to one. So, you know, that series tied 1-1. One to one, But I think, you know, it's making it evident probably in this game that Houston's just probably going to be too much for, for Minnesota. But uh, give me your thoughts on this series so far, guys. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, game game one, the Astros, you know, Astros took it six to six to four, somewhat of a close, close game. Uh, then, you know, the Twins came back in game two and took it six to six to two. But, you know, in game three so far, you know, the, the Astros got off to a hot start. And, you know, that somewhat spells disaster for a Twins team that, that doesn't get a lot of run production. I mean, it, for, for the Twins to win, you know, win games, they, they like to keep it somewhat low scoring, rely on their they're starting pitching staff that, you know, uh, that is towards the top and in, in strikeouts, you know, across the board, they like to like to keep it low scoring, don't generate a ton of offense. So, you know, definitely not, not the blueprint for success for this twins team to start off game three. And, you know, what's a, a, a crucial game three, um, you know, the, the, the stats say that, you know, a team that, that wins game three, you know, 70, 80% of the time go on to win, you know, win the series in a best of best of five. So, you know, definitely not the way the twins wanted to wanted to start this game, game three, you know, at, at home, you know, in Minnesota. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, it looks like Houston is, you know, after, after game two is, you know, corrected their mistakes and, you know, looking like they're going to, going to advance on to, you know, the conference championship. Yeah, I agree. You know, hats off to the Minnesota finally getting the monkey off their back, winning a playoff series, right. but I think they're going to gracefully tap out here down seven, one right now in the ninth, not coming back in this one. So they're going to be down to commanding two to one in the best of five, mm-hmm. but you know, great, great job, Minnesota make making something of this season and getting that playoff victory. I mean, there's still, still hope, but it's looking right. pretty bleak. Houston's just too well-rounded, too much talent. Yeah. yeah and I did have in my notes that, uh, and it's proven true that the Astros has had some success against, uh, you know, the, the ass or the twin starting pitcher, Sonny Gray, where on the opposite side, they'd only had 10 at bats against the starting Christian Javier and they were over 10 against him. So that's kind of proven true. So another game tonight uh, in the American league Rangers up two Oh on the Orioles, um, you know, one first game close one, three to two second game was 11 to eight. So, uh, you know, are, again, are we just looking at too much firepower for Baltimore to handle? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, it's been pretty cool to watch Texas in this series because they've won it both ways. Mm. They, they won that first one in kind of that pitcher's duel, 3-2 win. Yep. And that second one was just an offensive shootout. And mm. they, they showed they can do it that way, too, when, right. when in 11-8. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Texas is probably the a little more well-rounded team mm. of, of the bunch here. That 
I talked about last week, they made some trades at the all-star or right past the all-star break at the trade deadline and brought some guys in to really help, help this push here into the playoffs. And I think it's paying dividends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that's uh, hit kind of cut the nail on the head there. You know, I, I definitely, yeah. The key for me and in this series, you know, for the Orioles to, you know, possibly advance or, you know, have a chance to win this one was, you know, the, the, the Texas Rangers bullpen, not, you know, not very good. One of the worst, you know, bullpen ERAs of the playoff teams. Um, but, you know, you, you can somewhat throw that stat out of there, you know, again, because the Rangers were able to win in both, you know, both ways. That low scoring affair, they were able to pull it out. Second game, they, you know, put on an and offensive. They did the same thing against Tampa Bay. Right, you know, right. In that series, won two to nothing in the first game, 11 to one in the second game. Right. So. It uh, definitely seems like the Baltimore Royals got their got their work cut out for them, you know, game three tonight. And it's it's winner go home, you know, for Baltimore in, in this, you know, in this one. So they'll, uh, you know, be playing their backs against the wall because they'll also be on the road as well. So it uh, will be interesting to see what the Orioles can do. But, yeah, I think. You know, if there is any key, you got to get on the Rangers, you know, pitcher, starting pitcher early if you if you can. And, uh, you know, just try to limit those opportunities because, man, this Texas Rangers team, they can they can hit it out of the park um, and, and they can put up runs real, real fast. But, you know, it's it's going to be uh, yeah a real uphill battle for for a Baltimore Orioles team that I don't think anybody really predicted they'd be in the situation that they're in. But, you know, definitely after winning a hundred games in the regular season, definitely mm-hmm. not the way that they wanted their season to end or, you know, the way that they want their season to end, I guess. So we'll see, uh, yeah, what, what, what fight this Orioles team has in them, but you know, yeah, this Rangers team's looking, looking pretty dominant so far throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. All right. Going over to the national league or they'll, you know, two games tomorrow on the slate for them in that first series, you got the Braves and the Phillies tied one-to-one, you know, this has been kind of a surprise, I think for me, um, you know, the, the, Phillies blanked them in that first game, three to nothing. They only had five hits. And I think, you know, kind of also to go lay at two errors also the Braves did, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's tough to overcome, I think, when you only get five hits. You know, in that second game, they came back and, you know, squeaked out a five to four win. Man. But all their runs coming into sixth, seventh, and eighth inning and and then had to save the game on a spectacular catch against the wall that doubled up Bryce Harper off of first base. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you know, how do you see this going? This has been way more competitive than uh, I, I, I predicted it would be. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we talked about this series a little bit last week, and I, I said for Philadelphia to have a chance, they'd have to rely on a lot of what they learned last year. Mm-hmm. You know, that they got hot at the right time, made yeah. a run, and and didn't really back down from anybody. Right. And I, I, I thought if they could kind of put that same same uh, same recipe into mm-hmm. effect here, they, yeah. they they would have a bit of a shot. Right. I still think ultimately Atlanta is too much talent mm-hmm, here. I, mm-hmm. I think the cream is going to rise to the crop tonight. Uh, I think Atlanta or tomorrow night, I think Atlanta will get the win, take mm-hmm. take take the 2-1 lead and make that just enough to, mm-hmm. for them to get it done. I think it probably goes all five, though. Yeah, yeah, it could be, could be I an think interesting it's inter- I haven't seen where the Braves have named their starting pitcher yet for tomorrow night, which I found interesting. Yeah, yeah, that'll be, uh, yeah, exciting to see, like I said, a, a kind of a crucial game three for both teams because it's, yeah, you know, you can look at the stats that team win game three, go on, you know, go on to win the win the series, you know, a, a handful of times or a good amount of times. So definitely, you know, uh, obviously going to be in Philadelphia. So Atlanta going on the on the road to, you know, try to get mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, for me, looking at game one, you, you somewhat could probably say 
a little bit of rust there. You know, Atlanta obviously having somewhat of like a week or two Those off here, line, you yeah. know. So, you know, you chalk it up to that maybe. But even in game two, they didn't look like they had really righted the ship. Right. I mean, like you mentioned, you know, scoring all their runs in the sixth, seventh, and eighth inning. I mean, it took them a while even to get going in that in that mm-hmm. game. So, you know, I don't even know if I can say that game one was, was rust. I think it just the Phillies – came out and, you know, played well and, uh, you know, had everything, had everything going in that one and to, you know, blank the Braves, you know, a Braves offense that's, you know, batters one through nine that can, you know, knock it out of the park mm-hmm. and put runs on the board to, to blank a Braves team. That's pretty, pretty impressive that, you know, set the precedence right out of the gate on, on game one. But, you know, for me, yeah, game two, the Braves, I mean, that catch off the wall, you know, catch to save somewhat of like a home run, you know, whatever's, I, think I don't think it would have got out, but it would have right. tied the game. Right, you yeah. Know, Harper obviously would have scored. Right. Um, but, you know, then to be able to double him up on right. the first base. That, that might have just saved the Braves' season yeah, at that absolutely. point. I you mean, go they, you go down 2-0. You go down 2-0 going, again, on the road back to Philadelphia, you know, against a division opponent that you've seen quite a bit throughout the regular season already. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Braves, you know, might have, you know, saved their season with that, you know, miraculous play. But – uh We'll see how it goes, you know, going forward. This is definitely not, you know, a Phillies team that's just going to go down, mm-hmm. go down easy. Yep. No, I think in the big surprise, then the last one, uh, D backs up 2 0 on the Dodgers. You mm-hmm. know, they, they chased, uh, Kershaw, you know, the LA's ace in the first inning. Yeah. Um, he gave up six runs in the first inning, mm-hmm. um, in that first game, uh, you know, and they, that they want to let wound up winning 11 to two, you know, mm-hmm. they scored six and never stopped. And then, uh, Second game a little closer at four to two, but you know for the Dodgers only put up four runs in two games. Yeah, um, you know that's a little concerning. I think going in, uh, and then game three, um, the starter for uh, for the for the Dodgers is uh, only three and nine on the season with mm-hmm. a five point seven two ERA. Right, I think. Yeah. You know, man, I I, I got to be worried if I'm a Dodgers fan right yeah, now. I, I think that pitcher's definitely going to have a, a short leash, mm-hmm. and I, I think they'll be playing pitcher by committee in that game for mm-hmm. sure. But, yeah. you know, I, I think Arizona, they've done a great job, you know, getting off hot, scoring mm-hmm. some runs, and, right. and really putting the pressure on L.A. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the same L.A. teams we've seen in the past, but the dominating pitching, mm-hmm. they just shut mm-hmm. people out. Yeah. They, they've looked kind of lackluster mm-hmm. all season. I mean, for a team with 100 wins, you could say they've looked lackluster oh, pitching, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. it's kind of been the case, comparatively speaking, right, to how they've right. been in the past. So, yeah. you know, I, I think Arizona's kind of figured out the recipe mm-hmm. here, and you know, two two nothing. Ooh, right, right. That, going going back to Arizona for yeah. game three. Right. You Got to win three in a row. And, a, right. and an Arizona team that's hot. You know they right. should, they won their series previous series two o two o. Yeah. You know their four game streak here in the playoffs pretty solid. Yeah, and and a team that came in kind of limping into the playoffs. Yeah. You know we yeah. talked about it last week. Matt mentioned you know kind of you know just barely squeaked their way into right. the into the playoffs, and here they are. You know pulling out. You know first round sweep and you know so far sweeping the 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 Dodgers here in the in the NLCS so it uh you know NLDS I guess it is um but yeah for me it's it's you know the Dodgers really have it you can't look at anything and say that they've really done much of anything right I mean the the starting pitching has been bad their two best offensive players you know Mookie Betts and and you know Freddie Freeman have gone a combined one for 13 walked walked three times and have struck out one time between the two of them I mean, these are two guys that put up 100 RBIs in the in the regular season, yeah. and to you know get a combined you know one for 13 so far through the first two games. Yeah, it, it has not been you know this has been somewhat of a disaster for the Dodgers. You you can't 
I, I don't know that there's a silver lining that you could point to in anything yeah. and say the Dodgers, you know, you just got to wake up and play ball. Right, like right. Their- it, 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 you know, there, there got to be some major, you know, major changes or some major wake up calls here if they want to, you know, try to at least get back in the series or at least make it competitive. But this Diamondbacks team looks like they're, you know, you know, going to close the door or looking like they're, uh, you know, I think, I think for them, definitely, I, I think they got to win game three. You let the Dodgers, oh, yeah, you know, definitely. get, get one, you know, start letting that, you know, confidence kind of slip in there. It, it could spell disaster for a Diamondbacks team. That's not used to being in these playoffs, right. you know, a yeah. team that doesn't have a ton of playoff experience mm-hmm. comparatively to the Dodgers who, you know, seem like they are a staple, not only in, in the playoffs, but in the world series every yeah. year. So definitely, I think, I think, for for Arizona, they need to get it done in game yeah, three. They got them on the ropes. They got to take that knockout punch. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> All right, on to NASCAR. Um, lost four, you know, four of the twelve. We're down to eight now, and a couple, you know, veterans. I would say Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski got knocked out mm-hmm. of the round of um, of twelve. And like I said, we're down to eight now. William Byron sitting at first, and he secured his spot with a win at Texas and. Ryan Blaney, who's actually an eighth, won at Talladega to, you know, to get himself in and the rest of, you know, guys get in on points. But, uh, you know, we're, we're narrowing down here and uh, going forward, we're, you know, we're off to Las Vegas for a mile and a half and then Miami Homestead for a mile and a half. And then one of my favorite tracks in all of NASCAR in, in Martinsville to wrap up, you know, this this uh, this next quarter of the of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, like dad mentioned, uh, you know, cut the, cut the field from 12 to 12 to eight, you know, Brad Keselowski, Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, and Kyle Busch were the four drivers that, you know, saw their, you know, championship or playoff hopes, you know, been cut, cut to zero basically. Um, so we're left with, with eight drivers, you know, William Byron leading the pack sitting behind him, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chris Boucher, uh, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, and then Ryan Blaney also, you know, in there that rounds out, you know, your top eight that are are sitting there right now. So Reddick barely got, you know, he was two points below the cut line coming mm-hmm. into that mm-hmm. last race and, a, 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 you know, a six put him in there and, and, and Kyle Larson as well managed to squeak out a 13th mm-hmm. in his backup car. I, no, I, that's pretty impressive, yeah, I think, yeah. right there. To, you know, to, he started had to start in 36th position and, mm-hmm. you know, moved his way up, but just didn't have the car just wasn't dialed in to be able to run with the uh, with the front runners there, but did manage a 13th to keep himself in the in the chase. Right, Matt. What's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You're really seeing that kind of the cream of this season rise to the mm-hmm. top because mm-hmm. the guys who didn't have any wins all season long are right. finally the guys that are eliminated here. Yeah. It, uh, the big loser in this round, though, Kyle Busch. I mean, the guy had three wins on the season, mm-hmm. but this round was just devastating right. for him. Yeah. He ended up third in his last race of this round, mm-hmm. but all the other races prior to that, nothing better than 20th. Oh, I wow. Mean, he just – accidents fell apart, fell yeah. apart no. you know just couldn't couldn't get up in the field and, yeah you know the veteran goes home so yeah. you know it's, it's sad to see that but kind of cool to see these young guns fighting it out with with the guys like martin truex jr and denny hamlin right you know it'll be interesting to see if some new blood wins this thing right. or if hamlin can repeat or mm-hmm. truex can be up there too right I think, yeah i think the experience at, at martinsville for those two guys could could help them you know that's a like I said, it's it's the oldest track in NASCAR. It's mm-hmm. been part of the circuit since NASCAR was, you know, first NASCAR in 1948. Mm-hmm. You know, this was um, one of the first 
tracks to be paved to right. go from dirt to pave. Right. You know, it got paved in 1947 and NASCAR starts in 1948 and mm. it's been part of the yeah. circuit ever since. Yeah. I will say the guy to watch though is going to be William Byron. Mm. He not only won a race this round, the next two races after that, he finished second. So mm. Mm. the, the yeah, guy's those, on fire right now. He likes right those now. mile and a half tracks, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah. Guy to, guy to watch out for whatever, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, going to be competitive. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. The rest still of a lot of, you know, great drivers, you know, I, I, I could see any of these guys, you know, advancing their way up to that top four and making their way into the, you know, the, the championship race, if you will, um, mm -hmm. this, this one through eight, pretty, pretty tight pack. So it, uh, sure will be, be some good. interesting racing, you know, over the next three, you know, three weeks. So we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. And then, uh, we got to pay tribute to a legend real quick. Did Butkus, um, I guess I didn't, I guess I knew it, but maybe had forgotten that guy only played eight years in the yeah. NFL, you know, and, uh, but in that short time, he had 22 interceptions and, 27 fumble recoveries and I, i'm not sure i don't think they kept track of sacks then but uh you I, know. I found some unofficial ones he had a they unofficially 11 and tackles he had unofficially 1020 tackles mm. 489 assists okay wow. nice I mean, that's uh that's pretty incredible and mm. you know this is a guy i think that all middle linebackers are measured against since mm. his day in mm. the NFL and mm. to the present. And, you know, that he's the measuring stick. If you, right. if you want to be a middle linebacker, hardest know, hitting guy in, in yeah, the league. Right. I, I mean, mean, you know, and they, they did retire. It's funny too. The guy played his whole career in Illinois. Right? Yeah. Went yeah. to high school in, in Chicago. Right. Born played, obviously in Illinois. Right. Yeah. Born. And yeah. Played for the fighting Illini right. and then stayed there, you know, was a, I think a third round pick for the bears, but mm. uh, you know, just, he played with a, one of the quotes I want to for a guy that played with him was sneaking Deacon Jones. And he said, when he hits you, he didn't want to put you in the hospital. He wanted to put you in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So, yeah. you know, that, like I said, that was bad intentions. Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's the, he's the measuring stick, you know, and there's been some other great linebackers come out of Chicago, Chicago as oh, yeah. well, but right. you know, for, for this guy to get his number retired and, and, you know, be the, be the, uh, the i guess the gold standard for, mm. for middle linebackers yeah yeah definitely you know you you talk about that you know hard hitting you know nature uh you know I, I saw something where back in the day you know the detroit lions rolled out or unveiled the eye the eye formation at that time against the chicago bears um uh, well buckus knocked out every single person in that eye formation <laughs> out of the game um you know uh, and, and that would be the center knocked him out of the game the quarterback knocked him out of the game. The fullback knocked him out and the halfback out of the game. So, wow. you know, it, yeah, one man wrecking crew, if you, if you will, in that, in that particular game, you know, when Detroit, you know, unveiled somewhat of a, a different formation or, you know, something that, that hadn't been seen at that point, you know, it didn't, didn't phase Dick Buckus. He, he, you know, just came in bull rush and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take you out, you know? So it definitely, uh, yeah, a guy that, you know, was definitely known as a you know, hard hitting guy, uh, um, you know, unfortunate to, to see him pass, you know, uh, obviously a Bears Bears legend and, you know, an NFL legend at that at that moment. So it uh, yeah, sad, to, sad to see him go. But, yeah, definitely we'll we'll live on for, you know, forever, um, especially, you know, in trying for eternity in the in the whole thing. So. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 
All right. Well, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor running back for the Colts got a three-year contract extension uh, worth $42 million. And, you know, this is kind of a shift from what we've seen in other premier running backs in the league. A lot of them getting one-year deals, um, you know, maybe close to the same money, I guess, annually, but mm. not but not getting those extended contracts. Right. Um, I think, for me, this was a great move for the Colts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I guess an evidence in their final drive on Sunday and their win over the Titans, um, you know, they went 84 yards and 63 of those yards were accounted for by their running back, backup running back, Zach Moss, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then with uh, Anthony Richards getting put out, you mm -hmm. know, they, they have to go to the backup and Gardner Minshew. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a team that um, is going to have to rely on a, you know, steady dose of running backs being able to, you know, carry the load, carry the load, not only, you know, running the ball, but also catching the ball. So I, I great move for the Colts, I think. Yeah. I think three years is about right. Mm -hmm. You know, for, for running back, right. I think you signed too much long-term, then you, you worry that yeah. they, they don't make it through it. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I think three years is a good number, 42 million. I think that's on par with some of these better running backs. Only 26.5, that's guaranteed, though. Right. 10.2 million was a signing bonus. So he's got an average annual salary of 14 million. I, I found it interesting, though, in 2024, he's going to receive $30,000 per game bonus for just for playing. Mm -hmm. And then in 2025, he receives a $60,000 per game bonus mm -hmm. just for playing. Right. So, you, you know, I, I think he's going he's gonna to earn as much of that contract as he can for right. sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think if the Colts are going to do anything, I mean, he's it's going to be. To. It's going to be going to be on the backs of not that Gardner Minshew hasn't doesn't have some, you know, NFL experience as a starter. But, you know, he's not been, I would say, not a stellar, not always the most consistent, right, I guess. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, they're serviceable. They're sitting yes. at three and at, uh, I don't want to shoot where I lost them. I just had them on my list. They're, right now, the, the, the Colts are um, what what's their record right now? Probably a one and three there. I think they've only got I, one win. I just had it. I lost it in my notes. Anyway, I mean, if they're going to be able to do anything, obviously it's going to be three, three and two. Three so and far. two. Yeah. Huh. They're yeah. going to have to. Better than uh, I thought. Yeah. You know, do it on the back of that, you know, this, this hard running offense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned, 42 million, uh, you know, 26 and a half million of that, you know, fully guaranteed. Uh, obviously puts, you know, Jonathan Taylor up there as, you know, one of the highest paid, you know, running backs in the, in the league. Um, and yeah, definitely a, a turn from what we've seen here recently for, you know, running backs. I mean, it was almost 800 days ago that Nick Chubb got his, you know, big deal, which was back in 2021 of, you know, a running back getting somewhat of a long-term deal with, you know, 10 million or more, you know, guaranteed, guaranteed or, you know, projected each, each year. So, you know, we've, we've gone almost, you know, full two yeah. years, uh, you know, a little over two years of, of a running back getting a big, a big deal. Um, where Nick Chubb's at right now. Right. right yeah. And it's, you know, unfortunate for him before him and right. Kind of right. The same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously Jonathan Taylor, you know, also was able to come off the physically unable to perform list and was able to play in his first game for the Colts this, this season as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think they somewhat eased him into it. I mean, sure. he only had six carries for 18 yards. He did have one catch for 16 yards. So a little bit of versatility shown there. But I think, yeah, they're slowly easing him back into it instead of. I think of, what you see come out of him, too, is his ability to block. Mm, yeah, block. big, big, big back for yeah, sure. Yeah, good blocking back, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that'll help with the protection.
action aspect as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is this is a great move. I mean, obviously, the whole off season or you know the whole past off season has been marred by this. You know, trying to get this deal done, somewhat of like a holdout, demanding you know, a trade. And, and you and know, AFC South is kind of yeah. I mean, it's grab. it's yeah. all over the place. Seven so Jack, you know, Jacksonville sitting at three and two, and then Houston and Tennessee both at two and three. Right, so, right, definitely. You know, it's it's. Uh, it's up for grabs. So if they're going to, you know, be able to carry that the rest of the way out, it's definitely going to, I think Jonathan Taylor will be a big part of that. Yeah. Obviously a big piece, you know, to make, continue to make a playoff push, you know, sign your big offensive weapon or, you know, a guy that's been solid for them. So we'll see how they, uh, how it, how it plays out for the Colts, but you know, something they at least don't have to think about anymore, you know, no more off, off the field, somewhat distractions from, you know, from Jonathan Taylor in that, in that case. Okay. Very good. We're going to take a real quick break. Don't leave us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host fired up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. A little more NFL stuff. We're going to do our way too early picks for uh, Super Bowl MVP and then uh, give you who we think's hot and not. So uh, I guess I'll start off with my team that I think's going to the Super Bowl and also my hot team, and that's the San Francisco 49ers right now. Um, I think it'd be easy to pick the Eagles. They're sitting out there also undefeated at 6-0, and but mm-hmm. the Eagles have only beaten one team um, with a winning record. That mm-hmm. was Tampa Bay, where the Niners have been able to beat two teams with a re- uh, winning record, uh, that being Pittsburgh and Dallas, uh, in a combined score of 72-17 to 17 in mm-hmm. those two games. So they're playing well against the better teams, um, you know, and I think, you know, that and that dismantling of Dallas the other mm-hmm. night was mm-hmm. – was an incredible feat mm. on both sides of the ball. Right. You know, you got that Bosa led defense playing up to its potential, and Brock Purdy looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, while I'm talking to Brock, Brock Purdy right now, he's my MVP as well. <laughs> right. um, I guess I'm a West Coast guy this tonight, but uh, you know, the the guy's nine TDs and no picks yet, and uh, 123 QBR at this time. So I, I'll, uh, I'll save the rest of my stuff, let you guys get a word in here. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll go Super Bowl MVP and hot all with, with talking about one team. And mm. I've got Super Bowl being the 49ers as well with uh, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs is what I'm, I'm looking to see happen here. But, uh, I mean, the 49ers, they're just a complete package, great offense, still along with a great defense. They're just, Not a they're believer in the Dolphins right now coming out of the AFC, Matt? No, I think that <laughs> the Chiefs have too much talent and been there, done that. I think they can get over the hump there. I, I think they're going to be hard to beat. So, I mean, that also then makes the 49ers my hot team. Uh, mm-hmm. They're 5-0. Five and, five and they're scoring 33 points per game, giving up just 14. I mean, that just shows they're, they're the complete package. They've, they've got it all. And my MVP coming from the 49ers, but I'm disagreeing with who it is. I'm not going with Brock Purdy. And my reasoning is because 
you look at this team last year, they were a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl, and Purdy couldn't even throw the ball. Yeah. It's not Purdy that's doing it to this team. It, it's it's the the complete package. But Christian McCaffrey's oh, what's yeah. changed this team, mm-hmm. and and he he's the leader. He's he's what has made this team into a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah. He's got 510 yards rushing for the season, seven touchdowns. He scored at least one touchdown in every game he's been in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. This guy's just and he amazing. can do it all. He can yep. catch. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. a great 168 receiving yards, yeah. a touchdown there. I mean, he's he's doing everything. I I think without this guy, if, if McCaffrey's injured, mm. I, I think season over for San Francisco. Okay. I I think if Purdy gets injured, yeah. I, I think they could find somebody to fill the void. Okay. All right. Very yeah. good. Thanks for that. Yeah. I definitely, you know, for me, I, I, you know, like the San Francisco 49ers to, you know, win the Super Bowl. They look like the hot team. They look like the real deal. Um, you know, both sides of the ball that the offense hasn't scored less than 30 points against, you know, any mm-hmm. team this, this so far through the first five games, uh, you know, you, you just look at the stats. They're in the top five, you know, if they're outside the top five, they're just outside the top five in almost every statistical category. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I just think that they are looking hot, looking for revenge, you know, somewhat. It got away from them in, in last year's, you know, playoffs. Unfortunately, you know, had to <laughs> resort to a running back playing quarterback or, you know, throwing Purdy out there that they knew he couldn't even throw and they had to, you know, throw him out there or whatever. You know, I don't I don't see that happening, happening again. Uh, you know, this is a 49ers team that just, yeah, looks like they're, a team on a mission for sure. But, uh, and I think I, I, I probably, you know, got to agree with the disagree with all of you on MVP for mm. me, you know, I got a, I got a different quarterback, um, over in the AFC. I, I like I like Tua, uh, you know, mm. as my MVP candidate right now. Uh, I mean, this is a Miami Dolphins team that's off to a four and one start. They're, they're first in the AFC East currently, which is, you know, coming into the season, look like one of the best, you know, or toughest, uh, divisions in the, in the AFC, Obviously, some things have happened, but, you know, still a, a, a tough division. Um, you know, the Dolphins are first in the league in, in points per game. Uh, Tua leads the league in passing yards. He's got 11 passing touchdowns. Um, he has a 70, almost a 72% completion percentage. Uh, you know, for me, for him to win MVP, obviously, he's got to continue to stay healthy. That's mm-hmm. always been, you know, one of the knocks or, you know, something that's kind of hurt him in the yeah, past is not being able to stay, you know, somewhat stay upright. But uh, so far through the season, he's only been sacked, you know, six times. Uh, you know, good. Last year, he was he was sacked uh, 21 times and he only showed up, you know, was only in 13 of the, the 17 regular season games. So, you know, somewhat, you know, on on track or, you know, somewhat, you know, better, better stat, you know, as far as the sacks go. So. I think he does have the ability to, you know, stay in there, stay healthy, uh, you know, to continue to put up, put up the stats and, and you know, bring home an MVP. Uh, for me, you know, I took kind of a different approach from hottest team to kind of maybe most surprising team, I guess. And for me, that's the uh, that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they're they're sitting at tied for first in in their AFC North. Yeah. I, I know when we did our, you know, preview. No, by no means that I think that they would be the team to beat in right. the AFC North. This, this, that division is all over the place, uh, you know, but Pittsburgh had an impressive win, you know, come from behind win against Baltimore this past weekend. I'm not, I don't think this is something that the Steelers are going to sustain because if you look at the stats, they're middle of the road, bottom, you know, feeders in almost every stat category. I don't even. Honestly, I, I can't really explain to you <laughs> how how, how they're even three and two at this point. They're just finding ways to grind out games and and, and you know put up victories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think it yeah they, they still are are not the greatest offensive you know output team. 
I just think that, yeah, the wheels will come off at some point. It's just, yeah, surprising to see him so far through the first five games sitting at the top of their division. Yeah. So give me your not hot teams, fellas. This one's easy. New England Patriots right. one and four in their last two games. They've lost by a combined 72 to three. Oh, ouch. ouch. Even rumors of Belichick might be uh, <laughs> on the ousters. Yeah, right. I, I, that, I, that was my second pick, but I got to go with the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, also sitting at one and four, they're only going against the 0 and five Carolina. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously we knew Carolina was going to be bad. So right. them being 0 and five, isn't a big surprise, but I think we all thought the Vikings would be better at this yeah. point in the season. Mm. And it really, Cousins has not played bad. Right. Uh, 13 uh, touchdowns, four picks. I don't mm-hmm. know, his QBR is somewhere around 100, I mm. think. So it's just, I don't know. They just can't, they just can't put it together right now. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't look at the, I don't look forward to turn around much for him either in a in a NFC North where you got you know I, Detroit. Then I don't think any of us are surprised by it to no. see Detroit sitting up mm-hmm. there, but mm-hmm. you know they're and they're the only team in that in that division with a winning record, mm-hmm. four and one. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is two and three or worse. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I think if for the Vikings, it's I think the difference in this one is you know last year they played in so many tight tight ball games and they were. On the, on the good end of those tight ball games, they were able to find, you know, a way to win those, you know, one, three, you know, four-point, you know, games. Right. Seems like so far through the first five games, they've been on the losing end of, of some tight ones. They've, they've been competitive or been in those games, and it, it doesn't get any better for them. And their, their top receiver, you know, Justin Jefferson, is headed to the, you know, injured reserve. So that, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, not good for the Vikings team that's looking to try to turn it around. But for me, I got, you know, a third one and four team to talk about. That's that's the New York Giants. Um, yeah. This this is a team that, you know, was a surprise team last year that you know somehow found a way to make it to the playoffs, beat the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. in the first round, um, and before you know bowing out you know against the the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, this is a team that yeah they they look bad. Um, you know, offensively they've they're only scoring about twelve points a game, which Ouch. is believe it or not, not the worst in the NFL, but, uh, you know, this was last year, a team that, that, you know, wasn't a great offensive team, but still was enough to, you know, get it done. They, they scored roughly 22 points a game last year, but uh, a defense that's giving up more points than they did last year. Uh, just, yeah, everything is, is escalating. Uh, you know, so far through the season, they've also allowed 30 sacks most in the NFL, 30, 30 sacks on the, on the season. And we're only, five games, you know, five mm. games in. I mean, that wow. probably means why Daniel Jones is also dealing with a with a neck injury as right. well. And uh, for the Giants, yeah, Giants team that's Laundry's trying to – not in intensive care. <laughs> right, trying to turn it around. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones has regressed since, you know, signing his big deal this offseason. Uh, just, yeah, it doesn't spell well for this Giants team that, that really doesn't look like it has a true identity on either side of the ball at this right. at this point. And I – in an NFC East that's somewhat tough with the Eagles mm-hmm. and the Cowboys, I, I don't know how the Giants are going to be able to turn this mm-hmm. round. And, and even the Redskins have looked right, pretty right, decent right, this year as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Well, uh, on to the amateur ranks here, recapping our games from last week. Uh, first one, a heck of a ball game for yeah. the Red River rivalry. Yes. You know, OU and Texas. Wow, what a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think what it boils down to is Oklahoma played mistake-free football yep. and Texas did not. Yep. Three turnovers, nine penalties. Uh, you were through his first two picks of the of mm-hmm. the season. Mm-hmm. Um, just just um, 
you know, and, and OU, like I said, they just they just didn't have any mistakes. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, glaring mistakes, I right. guess, in the, in the turnovers and big penalties. Right. Yeah, I think the only thing you can kind of look at as a blemish for, you know, Oklahoma was early on in the game with the block, you know, block punt, you know, for a touchdown that, mm-hmm. you know, Texas was able to keep. You know, it, it to me, Texas has to be, you know, somewhat feeling lucky that they were even in this game. Yeah. I mean, like you talked about with the three turnovers mm-hmm. in, in the game, uh, you know, against an Oklahoma team that, you know, didn't turn it over at all. Uh, you know, yeah, Texas is lucky that this was only a four-point game. And they – I mean, they had a chance to win. I mean, they they probably should have won this game, uh, you know. So, it, it, it probably plays out to, you know, Texas's defense was able to keep them, keep them in it, you know, re- somewhat relevant, you know, whatever. But Texas's offense just didn't look the same as what we've seen in, in weeks past. Uh, but you know, hats off to Oklahoma. This was this was a big win for them, and you know, vaulted them up up the rankings yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure that Oklahoma D just flying around, like you said, three turnovers, also five sacks on the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just wreaking havoc against yeah. that Texas offense. Right, so, great yeah. job, Oklahoma. This is the Oklahoma team that got beat forty nine to nothing in last year's you know yeah. last year's game, and you know, Dylan Gabriel, kind of the the hero in the game for Oklahoma, you know, wasn't able to play in that in that game last year. Would it have been a different outcome? Mm, no. Probably not, but you know, at least it wouldn't have been a forty-nine nothing, you know, skunk. I don't think, but definitely Oklahoma had revenge on their mind, and they 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 took care of business on you know a, a fantastic game between these two teams. Yeah. All right. uh, next game, uh, I picked the Tigers in this next game, <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I think I did get this one right. LSU yeah. versus Missouri, uh, you know, kind of a track meet here, like like we thought it would be. Um, 49 to 39 was the final score. And again, you know, the, the turnovers killed Missouri uh-huh. Two two turnovers, one of them, a pick six, um, you know, and, and I think the quarterback play by Jaden Daniels, LSU, you know, the kid's been solid uh-huh. 19 TDs, two picks so far the season and uh, three of those TDs and no picks in this game. So mm, yeah. I think to me, that was the difference in this ball game was the quarterback play. Yeah. yeah. I, I picked the, the other Tigers. In this one. <laughs> I picked Missouri. So I, I was wrong, but man, I was feeling pretty good through three quarters. Yeah. They, it felt like they were dominating this mm-hmm. game, but LSU came alive in that fourth quarter. I think yeah. they put up 22 points mm-hmm. and, you know, just, what a great quarter for them. Missouri ultimately had two turnovers on the game and in mm. a close game like this, that just comes back to bite you. You can't turn the ball over. All right. Yeah. You make it too easy for an LSU defense. Right. That's not playing well at all. You know, struggling to get off the field, struggling to, you know, not give up points when you yeah get, make it easy for them by turning the ball over. Yeah. It makes it because you're not, you're not stopping this LSU offense. They got too many weapons. They got too much firepower on the offensive side. You let them score on defense and you're really burying yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but again, LSU, I don't know their defense, they've got to figure something out, but you know, this is another offensive, you know, firepower. I mean, these two teams combined for almost 50 first downs in this game and, um, over a thousand total yards between the two, between the two teams. But, you know, it, it's surprising again that we had this because also both teams combined for 145 yards worth of penalties as well. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of opportunities of shooting themselves in the foot and, you know, so this, this thing could have probably been even more high scoring had we not, you know, had nearly as many penalties as we had, but yeah, LSU, got enough defensive stops their defense again didn't play great but did just enough to 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 give that offense the opportunity and that was the difference in this one lsu you know pulls out a win here i agree all right well the big 10 game of the week um one i picked wrong um i really thought rutgers would do have a better showing against Mm -hmm. wisconsin than what they did but 
you know, this game really was never close. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, 17 to nothing at halftime. And the, I think the first half ended on a pick six, maybe. Yep. Um, 95 yards. Yeah, 95-yard pick six. And, you know, Rutgers can only eke out 64 yards on the ground. And they went – I think the big stat was they only went 2 of 12 on third down. Mm-hmm. To me, that was, you know – you're just you're just not sustaining drives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you talk about the the you know lack of lack of first downs, things like that. First five possessions, Rutgers only had one first down. Um, this was you know, definitely you know a Wisconsin defense that came in ready to go, uh, limited that that rushing attack. I mean, this was this was a team you know that that was coming into the game averaging a little over 180 close to 200 yards rushing and, and I, li- I thought that was going to be the difference mm-hmm. in this game mm-hmm. i thought they would control it a little bit more and, right and uh sustain drives but not going to a 12 on third right. down <laughs> right it's uh but i mean i guess it, it's not too surprising because i mean the the big 10 west is somewhat of a and again a, a cluster still because this is a Wisconsin team that's the only team on that side of the division that doesn't have a conference loss already. And we've only played, you know, two or three conference <laughs> games so far. And Wisconsin's the only team on the Big Ten West that doesn't have a loss, you know, in the Big Ten conference so far. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting. We'll talk about them, you know, shortly. Another mm-hmm. Big Ten West, you know, mm-hmm. matchup that may decide who is the, you know, winner or the leader in that in, in that, that in, the, in yeah. the West. But uh you know, yeah, Wisconsin, just too much defense, you know, not enough offense right. from Rutgers. Yeah, to me, this game wasn't that much of a surprise. Uh, like I talked about last week, uh, we're basing how good Rutgers was on a bunch of not great teams, teams they played yeah. against. But you look at when they played Michigan, their offense did nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and again, against a better defense, right. their offense doesn't show up and, right. and they, did, they didn't do much. This Rutgers team just doesn't have enough offensive firepower mm-hmm. to get it done. Yeah, yeah. All right, game four. The Bulldogs are rolling, boys. Uh, they're Look living out. up to that number one ranking, I mm-hmm. think, finally. Um, you know, and actually a game that was wound up 51-13, to 13, it probably should have been worse than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Kentucky, to me, did everything that they could do. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't turn the ball over. They only had five penalties, yep. but they could only muster 183 yards of mm-hmm. offense. Total yards. Yeah. That's Total. between passing Total. and rushing. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. That, only you know, 55 that, of them on the ground. That yeah. passing attack at Georgia, you know, going 33 of 42 for 435 yards and mm-hmm. 608 yards total in the game, yeah. man. Yeah. They just they just dominated this thing from yeah. start to finish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think this was the game that. This is this is the Georgia team that we thought we were going to be seeing, you know, at the start of the season. I mean, yeah, we might have poked a, a sleeping bear or a sleeping <laughs> dog at this point because, yeah, this was the coming out game that Georgia needed uh, to, you know, somewhat shut those voters up that they deserve to be that still the number one team after having some, you know, close calls so far through, you know, a couple of SEC games. But, man, they, they were hitting on all cylinders from – you know, the start of the game and, and, you know, finished it out and had a, had a solid showing here, top to bottom, defense, offense, special teams, everything was, was rolling for them. Yeah, we do have to remember, though, in the, in the mighty SEC, it, it was just Kentucky. Yeah. So, you know, right. I, I, don't, I don't know that they fully arrived back at that. I mean, yeah. I know they're number one and they played like it in this game, but they, they have actually been a little lackluster up to this point. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see if this carries over and they keep doing this yeah. or do they – come back down to right. that because right now i don't see a clear favorite mm. in college football period mm-hmm. you know there, there's a lot of a lot of teams that i think have a chance to, to win the whole thing this yeah year. yeah i agree all right in the last game um you know this was a uh 
Notre Dame and Louisville, you know, Notre Dame playing a third ranked opponent in as many weeks. And, you know, they get to do it again next week, play a ranked opponent. Um, uh, Sam Hartman picked the wrong game, I guess, to have his first picks through three of them. And they mm. had a total of five turnovers. Yeah. Mm, You're yeah. just not going to win games nope. turning the ball over five times. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this was a close game. The end of the third quarter, it's 13 to 17. Right. And then Louisville rattled off, you right. know, 16 straight. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I think Notre Dame might have scored a garbage touchdown there towards the end, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a. Uh, and this was one I got wrong. I thought yeah. I thought Notre Dame would bounce back, yeah. and then you know now they're now they got two losses. Yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, where do they go from here? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah, going to be interesting to see how the rest of their season you know plays out. Like you mentioned, another ranked opponent coming. Obviously, get to go back home in that one, but you know, yeah, definitely not. You know, it, it just. I think Matt talked about it on the show, you know, last week or whatever that, you know, there's something going on with this Notre Dame offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 Notre Dame it. team in general, I think, it, you know, they got off to such a good start and, you know, seemed like they had finally found their missing piece in, in the quarterback. And it just seems like something something's off on that on that side of the ball, um, you know, but obviously. They also want to establish the run. They want to have somewhat of a balanced attack, I think, as well. And, you know, they only mustered 44 rushing yards. This is a, you know, Notre Dame team that came in averaging almost 200 yards rushing mm-hmm. and only were able to, you know, muster 44, you know, rushing yards, you know, just weren't able to get it done in the, in the trenches with another name team that, you know, looking at the, the physicality, probably a more physical team, you know, outweighs or, you know, is probably a more physical team, physical dominant team than, than Louisville. But, you know, Louisville was able to able to get it done, you know, limit that, you know, Notre Dame rushing attack. And, yeah, it just seemed like, uh, yeah, Notre Dame just didn't have an answer, just kind of, you know, lackluster again in this yeah, in this you, performance. You got to kind of wonder if, if Notre Dame's just a little wore out at this point. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. and what's that going to spell for next week uh, yeah. if they are? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, shoot, I just I, I think, you know, that that offense, like like I talked about last week, they're just something's not clicking right. like it was early on in the season mm-hmm. or or you know, everybody's competition's figured, figured out their right. offense, right. you know, right. they've got it figured out. So right. I, you know, they, they, some changes have got to be made. They, they got to do something a little different to get, right. get back on the winning track. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Well, on to our, uh, you know, our top games for this week. Um, you know, first out, we got uh, number seven, Washington going against number eight, Oregon, you know, it, um, both teams coming in at five and oh, and Washington is a uh, Vegas favorite by three points, I think right now. Yep. Um, I think for me, the the difference here, you know, both quarterbacks playing well. You know, Bo Nix, 15 TDs, one pick. Mike Penix, 16 TDs, two picks. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I like Oregon's D. I think Oregon's defense is a little better. Mm. Um, and then the Huskies are rely a little too much on the pass, I think, you know, almost three to one versus their run yards mm. per game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like Oregon to get to win here. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously Vegas is having a hard time, you know, picking this one as well. I mean, obviously Washington getting the three points, but that's only because they're playing, playing at home. Uh, You know, if we're playing a neutral site game, this would basically be a, be a, be a dead even game. But, you know, you look and, you know, you look at the last four matchups, you know, in in this series, three of those four matchups have been decided by four points or less. And that also included an overtime, you know, an overtime game as well. So, you know, this is a game that's going to be hotly contested, going to be a, mm-hmm. a back and forth track meet, I think. But to me, I think, yeah, the difference is Oregon's defense a little bit better at, at defending the pass compared to Washington in this one. 
I, I think that that Oregon can get just one stop, you know, one one stop may be all it takes in this in this game. What's the over under on this game? I think Mike? it's like sixty seven and a half, <laughs> I think is what the what the over under is. Um but uh yeah, I, I like Oregon, the ducks to, to get it done, go on the road. Uh will be interesting to see if, if Bo Nix can get rid of his road his road woes. He tends to not play as well on the on the road compared to home, but I think he can can right the ship here, get a big win against Washington, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a close game. Yeah, you know both these teams have been lighting it up this year, but Oregon's more well rounded. They're passing for three hundred thirty uh, yards per game, rushing for two hundred twenty seven per game. Their defense only giving up twelve points per game, and we got to remember what they did against Colorado. Oh yeah, looks like one of the better offensive teams in college football mm-hmm. this year. They just stifled them. Yeah, and didn't didn't let them do anything. Mm. I, I think that bodes well for Oregon here. That defense can put up another effort like that game. Mm-hmm. This may be an it, an easy win for Oregon right, right. If, if that defense shows up like they did there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think uh, we're all in agreement on that one, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So, all right. The next one is our Big Ten game of the week. Iowa coming in at 5-1 and one against the Wisconsin team that we already talked about at 4-1. and one. Wisconsin's favored by 10 points. I, you know, obviously, they're playing at home. Um, for both these teams, you know, really the quarterback play has not been great by either one of these guys. And now Cade McNamara is out and um, Deacon Hill comes into the game as the backup listed at 6'3", 258. I think they lightened him by probably at least 20 pounds. (laughs) That's a big dude. Right, yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, he didn't play bad against Michigan State. Came Mm. in, went 11-27 and and threw a touchdown pass. But Mm. I think Wisconsin's ability to run the ball mm-hmm. and control the game. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think, you know, if they get out to a – I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. You know, it'll be one of those grind them out Big Ten ball oh, games yeah. from the past. And yeah. uh, Wisconsin gets out and gets, you know, a touchdown lead. And I don't think with a backup QB that, mm-hmm. that Iowa's made to play from behind. I, I like the Badgers in yeah. this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Wisconsin favored by 10. And I, I think that's probably about right because yeah. – Iowa team, just like last year, right. has no offense. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, they're relying on their defense to do everything. Mm-hmm. I think Wisconsin has has enough offense to get it done, yeah. and their defense is good enough to not let Iowa do anything. Right. Yeah. So you, you know, I, I think Wisconsin covers that spread and yeah. wins by ten. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, you're, you're you're right there. I mean, this this Iowa team that even with Caden McNamara was wasn't setting the world on fire. I mean, it looked like they had somewhat more of a relevant offense, but still not you know, uh, setting the world on fire by any means, but, uh, you know, obviously you lose him, you know, bring in your backup, you know, a team that probably going to rely a little bit more on the run, you know, on the run to, you know, take the load off of, you know, the backup quarterback, but, That'd be great if if Wisconsin was not allowing, you know, was allowing a ton of yards on, you know, on the ground. But, you know, this is a team that ranks in the top 20 or top 30 in in, against the run. So I I just don't know how I was going to pick up first downs, move the ball unless their defense really comes in and, and, and plays super, super well. I don't see Wisconsin, you know, losing the ball, you know, having a ton of turnovers. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I think Iowa's defense can keep them in this game, but I think you know Wisconsin's offense has just a little bit more you know to to work with than than what Iowa does. I, I think Wisconsin wins this wins wins this game. All right, so we all agree on that. All right, how about that? Next one, I think this is going to be this is a tough pick for me. I went back and forth on this one, but this USC Notre Dame game. You yeah. know, we already talked about Notre Dame coming in. Um, you know, they were 
very highly ranked coming in and now they're sitting at three and two. They dropped to 21 or 21st in the, in the rankings, USC sitting at 10 coming in at six and oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet Notre Dame's favored by three. I guess I'm a little surprised at that. Yeah. At that. Uh, I'll let you guys give me your thoughts before I pick my winner. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously again, Vegas is having a hard time with this one as well. Notre Dame, obviously getting to play, getting to play at home, getting the three points there. Uh, so again, if you were playing a neutral site game, it'd be, you know, dead even, but I just think that, yeah, again, this Notre Dame team is there's something missing. There's something not not right there. Obviously, I think getting to come back at home is 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 always good, you know, after a tough, you know, tough loss on the road. Um, But, you know, again, this Notre Dame team wants to establish the run. They want to get that run game going. But their top running back and, you know, Audric Estiam, he's he's dealing with an injury. I mean, he got injured in the Louisville game, you know. Nobody knows really what the status of he he's going to be like if he can't go. I mean, that's one less you know playmaker that that Notre Dame team has, and I just think you put a lot of pressure on on Sam Hartman to to get it done, and and not that the guy can't live up to the you know to the test because he's been in the been in college long enough, or you know has seen pretty much every defense you could throw at him, and this USC defense obviously gives up points, gives up yards and bunches, but. Notre Dame's got to figure out how to how to stop Caleb Williams, you know, on that USC offense, and and nobody has been able to really figure him out so far. I like USC to go go on the road and get a, get a win against Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that that's reeling right now, and just I don't know has many answers right now for for some of those those questions that they have. Yeah, like you said, Notre Dame is reeling, reeling with losses to OSU, losses to Louisville, taken to the wire by Duke, took mm-hmm. took a last second touchdown for them to pull out a victory there. But, you know, I, I do think Notre Dame has a good enough team to slow this US team, USC team down a little bit, just like Arizona did last week. Yeah. I mean, USC almost took took an upset right. to a 3-2 and two or 2-3, two and three, whatever, a bad Arizona team. Had to go to three overtimes. Yeah, not good. Yeah. So, I mean, it took Looking everything they had. Maybe a little bit. That, that's, that's, that's a possibility for right. sure. But, you know, I just I, I do think Notre Dame can can slow them down a bit, but but not enough to get it done. And Notre Dame's offense just isn't doing enough. Mm-hmm. They, they've been bad the last three weeks. I, I don't look for them to improve that much. I think they'll score a little more because USC's defense gives up a ton, oh, yeah. but not enough to keep up with, with USC. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'll make it three for three. I'm taking the Trojans right. too. I, right. And I did, I went back and forth yeah, on this, but I think tough one. I think future Arizona Cardinal Caleb Williams is the difference maker here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's been, fantastic you know Heisman form again 22 touchdowns one pick yep um and with that being said I think Lincoln Riley figures out you know what's going on you know obviously they're going to score points and I think they you know keep Notre Dame down you know with the struggles that they're having right now but real quick uh you know if Notre Dame loses this game how bad is this for Marcus Freeman yeah definitely not the after they got off to such a hot start definitely not how you wanted to see it but you know that this you know, looking at the schedule, you you would say this was going to be the, the test for Notre mm-hmm. Dame. This was going to determine whether they really were the real deal or, you know, or not. And, you know, we're, we're seeing it that, you know, those early games, they may not, you know, they may have been kind of a flash in the pan or, you know, maybe they played some bad opponents and just were able to, you know, really pull it out. And against the better teams, they still just don't haven't figured out yet. Um, but, you know, I think they, they've still had a, a decent season. I'm not ready to write it off at all. But, yeah, definitely not how they saw the season going. But, you know, definitely a gauntlet of, of a schedule. Right yeah, here. it had to be the toughest schedule I, in, in football. Absolutely. Right? And I, th- I think the hot seat for Freeman – 
is warm if they lose this game. Right. I don't necessarily know it's that hot though, because you know th- they picked him. They, he was a young coordinator, mm-hmm. no no head coaching experience. Right. You, you know what other options were there, mm-hmm. and what other options are there now? Right. Notre Dame isn't the job it mm-hmm. used to be. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that it's that hot. I still think he's he's the, the young coach a lot of people would be happy to have. Right, yeah. I think, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Mm-hmm. All right, um, now we got 4-1 Miami come in and rank 25th against North Carolina at 5-0, and ranked 12th in the country and a three-and-a-half-point favorite, again, playing at home. So this is one that – Pretty close. Uh, and, yeah. Again. But, um, you know, it but, should be a battle of 5-0 and teams. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like Miami's balance. Um you know, 295 passing yards, 211 rushing yard, and actually, and and on the flip side, I, I thought Drake May would be better. Mm-mm. I expected him to be sharper mm-hmm. than what he's been so far um, this season. You yeah. know, only eight touchdowns against four picks, yeah. and uh, I think the Tar Heels give up too many yards on offense, and with that balanced attack, like Matt said, other than a I don't Fluky. even know what I don't know what to call that <laughs> right. mistake they made. Right. But, uh, you know, they should boneheaded mistake. Five and zero. Oh. I'm going to take the Canes in this in this ball game. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm taking Miami in this game. Their offense is, is scoring more, thirty nine to thirty seven. Uh, giving up a little less. They're giving up fifteen to nineteen for North Carolina, and I think Miami is going to be looking to make up for that mm-hmm. blunder. I, I think they come in mad, mm-hmm. wanting to show that they they should be five and zero oh, going on six and zero. Oh. Yeah. And and trying to show the pollsters, trying was, to get a little more love on their <laughs> right, side by right. beating a top twelve team, right, right. beating them convincingly. Mm-hmm. I, I I got Miami, and I I think Miami definitely wins by well North Carolina's favored by three and a half, so yeah. I Miami wins three and a half or more, yeah, right. wins plus, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I agree. I like it three for three here. I think the Hurricanes are the better team in this one. You know, you talk about it. Drake May has been kind of, you know, just lackluster, I think, in this, you know, so far through the season. Only has eight passing touchdowns but four picks. It's going to be the best defense he's seen all mm-hmm. year, in my opinion, that this Miami team really flies around. Uh, you know, is, is going to put a lot of pressure on Drake May. I mean, North Carolina has tried to establish the run a little bit more this season than maybe what they have in the past. But this Hurricanes defense will shut that run, run, you know, run game down really put the pressure on Drake May to, you know, have a phenomenal performance. I just don't know if it's, if it's there, if it's, Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, he's got the, you know, the ability to do it in this, in this big game. I like the hurricanes to come out with their hair on fire and and win this game and and beat North Carolina. We're four for four. So we only got (laughs) one game. What, what is the rundown right now? How are we sitting game wise? Um, So we are currently after, you know, last week, I'm I'm sitting at the top still 19 and 12 after okay. what what are we in the sixth after six weeks. Right. Um, Dad's sitting at 16 and 15, just one game above 500. And then Matt is 15 and 16. So one game below 500. So That's some good ball games to pick. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. been some good games to watch. Well, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if this game will make any difference or not. But, uh, <laughs> got number 18 UCLA coming in at four and one going to play at Oregon State, who's ranked. 15th and coming in at five and one and a four point favorite, um, you know, sat the stats very similar mm-hmm. on offense. Um, OSU giving up a little bit more yards on the, on, on through the air. Um, I think to me, the quarterback play again is going to be the difference here. You, uh, DJ's just managing the game. I think a lot better than what Dante Moore is, is his quarterback rating is double what Dante's is. And, mm-hmm. uh, Playing at home, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Beavers at home. But we'll we'll make that two for two. Then Oregon State, they're scoring eight more points per game, giving up 
those seven more points per game than UCLA. So something's going to have to give here. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm going with the eye test. Both these teams have taken on Utah this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Oregon State was able to beat them 21-7 to while UCLA lost 7-14. to mm-hmm. I, I, UCLA just can't get it done against a better defense. Mm-hmm. Oregon State's going to be one of those better defenses they play. I'm, I'm going Oregon State. Well, I'm going to break the streak, fellas. All right. Uh, I'm gonna... Maybe me and Matt can pick up a game. Then. <laughs> Go Beavers. I'm going to take, uh, take the Bruins. The Bruins in this game, I, I think, you know, you, you throw out that Utah game. I mean, yeah, you, you would think going into a game when you only give up 14 points that you're going to that you're gonna win. I mean, yeah, you score seven points in that one. I, 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 I don't know. I'm not saying it's a fluke, but it just very, very odd, you know, type of game, um, you know, that – Dante Moore doesn't throw a pick six in that game. It's it's seven to seven. We're we're going to overtime. We're battling in overtime. Um, you know this this is a UCLA team that their defense you know flies around the ball you know pretty nasty on the defensive side. Oregon State likes to get that running game going, but this UCLA team gives up less than two yards a carry. I think that they force DJ to be the guy. You know, force him into some mistakes. I mean, this is this is a guy that's yeah he's putting up numbers. Definitely has you know, righted the ship since, you know, transferring from Clemson over to Oregon State, but still a guy that that's not super accurate with the ball, you know, could possibly lead to some some turnovers, lead to some mistakes on that on that side. I like this Bruins defense to, you know, come out on top, but I think it's gonna be a, a, a tight, a tight ball game. But I like UCLA to get it to get it done on the road. All right. Go Beavers then. All right. Well that's our show for tonight. Uh, man, we really appreciate you guys listening and uh you know, stay tuned. We'll be back at you next week. And, uh, man, there's going to be some great NFL or uh, NCAA football games this weekend. Yeah. So thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cow, Chief Rob Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. Uh, we do have an Instagram if you look for Fired Up underscore podcast. Or you can find us over on Facebook if you do search for Fired Up, comma, Sports Podcast. And as always, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com where you can check out all of our past episodes and, you know, just a little bit of information about the show. And uh, as always, you can find this this episode and all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So all the big players in the in the podcast game, you can you can find our show. So. Appreciate y'all listening, and as always, stay stay fired fired up. up.